0: She's been with Tidewell Hospice for about five years and will be speaking to you today about all the great things that they do in our community. Please welcome Barbara. Good morning and thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Again, my name is Suzanne Barksdale and I am with Tidewell Hospice. I'm the community relations representative and I teasingly like to say Tidewell pays me to talk. So, And what better position for a woman, right? Uh, my topic this morning is basically about Tidewell Hospice, the services that we provide, and how we administer those services. And one of the things, hopefully you've seen the advertisements that we've been putting in print, as well on, as on television, that says, Tidewell, it's more than you think it is. Because so many people assume that hospice care begins when someone has a day or two or three hours left in their life. And that's not the case at all. Hospice care is designed to lift and to provide comfort, care, and compassion for an individual during their last year of life. And I do hope to share a little bit more about that in just a moment. But as for Tidewell, we are your local not-for-profit hospice Serving Sarasota, Charlotte, DeSoto, and Manatee counties since 1980. So we've been around for a while, and during that time, we've seen medicine as well as medical care change drastically. Hospice, the concept of giving that comfort, care, and compassion, was developed by a woman in London, England. Her name was Cecily Saunders. Saunders was a nurse, and she designed hospice care so that individuals would be treated with comfort, care, compassion, dignity, and respect. At the forefront of her thought and philosophy was that an individual's pain should be controlled as well as their symptoms. When an individual's pain increased, she felt that medication should be given to prevent that pain reaching its peak. And with her thought philosophy, she said, don't let the clock on the wall dictate when pain medication should be given. Keep the patient comfortable. Now, does that sound logical? Well, lo and behold, um, here Cecily Saunders thought this was an incredible medical idea. So what did she do? She went to the physicians within London and shared her philosophies. (coughs) Now what do you suppose those doctors said to her? Oh, I can see the shaking of the heads. You're right. What do you know? You're a nurse. Do I have any nurses in the room here? All right, look at you ladies. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. We have their profession to thank for hospice care and the way it has involved. Now um, she be, later became knighted, so Dame Cecily Saunders actually opened the first hospice house in London, England in 1967. The first hospice house um, in the United States was opened in Connecticut in 1974, and Tidewell opened its doors in 1980. So we have been basically on the forefront and the cutting edge of hospice care. When an individual has been diagnosed with a chronic critical illness, and they raise their hand and say, I am ready for comfort care rather than aggressive curative care, hospice care becomes appropriate. Again, that comfort, care, compassion is administered by an overwhelming large team. On a care team, there is the Tidewell attending physician. We have a registered nurse who administers the plan of care for the patient. We, of course, have the certified nursing assistants uh, who is who, there to take care of hygiene and daily grooming. We have on those teams therapists, respiratory therapists, massage therapists, dietitians. Many of you may even know one of our employees, Charlie Warnicke, who is a massage therapist. He attends church right here with you. So we have a variety of therapists on staff. Another thing that is on our staff would be social workers, chaplains. Um, we also have our volunteers. Any volunteers in the audience? Uh, yes, indeed. Thank you very much. Our volunteers are definitely the backbone of Tideville Hospice, and we could not do what we do if it were not for our volunteers. But that whole complement is there to support not only the patient, but the family as well. We are embracing the entire family as they face their loved one's end of life. Hospice care usually comes into play when the individual has a diagnosis of six months or less. However, Tidewell has a wonderful program which we call Transitions. Our Transitions is a volunteer-based, non-medical, non-emergency that is there, again, to support the patient and the family, helping the individual become acquainted with having someone else care for them or do socialization with them. So that is definitely a very important part of our care program. When an individual does come into tidewell Hospice, and again, as I mentioned, they have raised their hand and say they're ready for comfort care rather than that aggressive, curative care. I know from personal experience that my husband, who had idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, um, he was stricken very suddenly and was in a coma for two weeks before he passed away. Well, even though he had advanced directives, the attending physician and we happened to be out of state, kept trying one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. And I watched my husband go through pain. I watched him have another bodily function shut down. So sometimes the cure can be more painful than the disease. And that's when the patient says, I'm ready for that beautiful comfort care. So that is kind of the philosophy of hospice care and how it comes about. Now, one of the things I hope most individuals do realize is that Medicare Part A has a unique benefit contained within that, and that is what's called the hospice benefit. And 100% of anything related to the hospice diagnosis is paid for by Medicare. And Tidewell is there to file all of those papers with Medicare, So that again, the family member is not burdened with yet one more thing. So that would include the medication, the visits by by Tidewell Hospice, that would include the medical equipment, anything that is needed. So if the patient wishes to remain at home, we would provide a hospital bed if necessary. We would bring in uh, bathing things, that, you know, that might help bathing become easier for them. Uh, we would have the, the potty chairs, whatever is needed, the walkers, the wheelchairs. Those would all be provided by Tidewell and paid for by Medicare. Medications related to the hospice diagnosis would pay, be paid for. Now, let me just use my husband again as an example. You know, he had the um, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, but if he had, like, high cholesterol, Anything related to the hospice diagnosis, that um, idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, those medications would be paid 100% by Medicare. But if he wished to continue taking that cholesterol drug, then the normal 80% paid by Medicare and the 20% copay would be what would be done on that particular medication because the cholesterol, in his case, was not part of the, di- the, the chronic illness diagnosis. So, um, you know, with hospice care, as I mentioned, we are just embracing the patient. Military service. I must confess to you right here and now that when I was a child, I did not listen to my father's World War II stories nearly enough as I should. And now that he's gone from us, I don't have those stories to tell to my children or to my nieces and my nephew. So it's a shame that I didn't listen better, but. On the Tidewell um, umbrella of care, we have our honors program. And the honors program is there to salute veterans and recognize the service that they have given to our country, whether they were World War II, Korean, Vietnam, the Gulf Wars. We're there to say thank you for your service. And even if they never left the United States, they were part of the military and we're there to recognize, applaud, and salute and the way we do that is through what we call our honors pinning. And we will recognize the patient or we'll go out into the community and do a pinning to recognize service. Because Tidwell has learned over the years that individuals at end of life often have issues surface that came up and happened during the war. As an example, it might be someone that was in hand-to-hand combat and they had to kill the enemy. Those things may have stayed with them, but they need to talk to somebody about that. So we're there to provide that specialized care for those individuals. Another thing that we do, and here again I have to thank our volunteers so much for the complementary therapies that they provide. The first thing that comes to my mind when I think of a complementary therapy, something that is in companionship with medical treatment And that is music. I don't know about you, but um, if you were here for the last service, um, the closing song um, about the individual, the blue uh, bay, the blue waters, and that song um, was sung at the funeral of a very dear, dear friend of mine. And those memories of Barbara came rushing back as I was sitting here with you singing that song. So, music has a wonderful way of conveying beautiful thoughts. I know if I'm driving home on a particular um, afternoon after a very tense day, I might put some classical music on just to kind of soothe and calm me before I walk home. Or if I'm, you know, exhausted and tired and I know I still have more to do, I might put on the oldest station and remember when I was young and kind of jive to the music. So music plays a wonderful, wonderful part. And I think research has shared that an individual who has Alzheimer's, as an example, music can play a wonderful part in their life. My mother, who couldn't remember one thing from another, um, she knew the words to all those songs, and we would go up and down the halls of her facility singing at the top of our lungs because that made her happy. So music is beautiful, and one thing that we use as a complementary therapy. Um, when I say complementary therapies, I'm talking about things that appeal to our senses, so um, music, the ears, um, tactile senses. It could be a pet, our, our beautiful pet therapy and those wonderful animals, cats, dogs, birds, rabbits, whatever, that go to visit with our patients. Um, true story, one of our patients suffering with Parkinson's disease, uh, very advanced stages. You know, his whole body was in rigor. A A little dog was placed on his lap, and his hand was placed on top of the dog. Well, our volunteer and the caregiver were chatting back and forth, and all of a sudden they looked over, and what was happening? The man was petting, stroking the dog. It was just unbelievable. He hadn't been able to move that hand, but there was something about the warmth of that animal. There was something about the comfort of that little critter that was able to give him some movement. So our pet therapy um, just is absolutely phenomenal. Um, we have clowns on our staff. Um, I hope there's nobody here that's afraid of clowns, but I, I must say, you know, to many, that clown can put a beautiful smile on someone's face or as they reach in and pull out a flower out of nowhere, it can bring that wonderful warmth and laughter and a memory of childhood that may have gone by. Aromatherapy. I don't know about you, but I cannot go into Publix around five o'clock when I am starving to death and I spe- smell the bread baking or the chicken frying. You know, it just starts my salivary glands going. But aromas can bring so many wonderful memories. Fresh brewed coffee. Uh, I'm back at my grandmother's in no time because she was um, a Finn who always had a pot of coffee on the stove and wonderful coffee breads baking and. But those aromas, again, can bring a pleasant, wonderful thought to people. And we will use essential oils. Maybe you didn't know this, or maybe you do, but grapefruit oil can be used to relieve depression. So we can use essential oils to calm. I'm sure many of you use um, lavender and find that has a great calming uh, sense. So we use those essential oils with our patients so they get the sensation of the smell, but also the benefit of the calming, soothing effect that say the lavender brings about for them. So again, another one of those senses. Part of our complementary therapy also embraces and is encased around art. Many people who have never picked up a paintbrush in their life find that they are creating a wonderful work of art. Um, They may be doing this by using cotton balls and watercolors, but it's something that can be left behind as a gift and as a legacy for their loved ones. So all of those wonderful things are part of the complementary therapies that go along to help relieve the individual from pain. Sometimes when the pain is so great and the medication hasn't kicked in, They can rely upon some of their therapies to help relieve some of that pain and bring some comfort. So we have some incredible areas, um, some phenomenal volunteers that are there. So our philosophy, again at Tidewell, is to provide that comfort, care, and compassion. We are a not-for-profit, and I don't know if any of you have been to our thrift store, which is located in Bird Bay Plaza, the same plaza where we have um, big lots and save a lot. We're down at the south end of the plaza, but any donations that come there, any of the resales, that all goes back to our programs for patients. Tidewell is unique in that we are a not-for-profit, so we don't turn anyone away if they don't have the ability to pay. Believe it or not, Right here in Venice, we've cared for individuals who are homeless. And if you don't think that's a challenge for our care teams, Uh, but we want to be there to support anyone who is in need of hospice care. Where is hospice care delivered? Wherever the patient is. We can deliver our plan of care to an individual, let's say at our hospice house. The hospice house in Venice is located at the um, in the plantation. It is a seven bed facility where they are able to care for our patients and bring them the high level of care that is often needed. That care could encompass, um, you know, respite if somebody is out needs to go out of town. Their primary caregiver needs to go out of town. It could be stabilization, or we could bring them in because they need a higher level of care. We'll also care for a patient in their home wherever home may be. The home could be um, an assisted living facility, independent living, it could be a condo, it could be a single family residence. We're there wherever the patient is. So our plans of care are administered by many. Our plans of care are open for anyone. Um, Those over 65 qualify for, of course, the Medicare benefit. The only thing Medicare does not pay for is room and board. But we're there to provide that high level of care for the family as well as for the uh, the patient. Let me open it up for some questions. Anyone have any questions for me? Yes, sir. How much is the Roman the registration? If you were to have to come into the hospice house, it is a sliding scale. We look at the level of assets. The highest is $209 a day. Good question. Thank you. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. How many... In the four-county area, at this time, we have eight hospice facilities. We are actually looking to build another hospice house in the Lakewood Ranch area, and we will be closing the hospice facility that we have at Lakewood Ranch because we want a bigger facility in that area. But right now we have eight. On an average daily basis in the four-county, anyone have, other than my volunteers, my volunteers can't respond, any idea how many patients we take care of on a daily basis? Somebody throw out in them. In the house? It, no, in the entire four-area county. Five hundred. Five hundred. Anybody want to double that? <laughs> Actually, our average daily census in the four-county area is 1,150 patients. Now, I mentioned we have those uh, hospice facilities. They can accommodate less than 80 patients. So, yes, the majority of patients are cared for wherever they call home. So, any other questions for me? Yes, ma'am, way in the back. What if a, a person hasn't got a uh, di- diagnosis except they're approaching 95 or so and have a home but find living in it alone is no longer uh, available? Is there any kind of a program from someone like that to... A, help them stay in their house rather than have to go to an institution? There are agencies that can assist. Tidewell, based on the Medicare rules and regulations that we must follow, basically says that an individual has to have that prognosis of six months or less for full-blown hospice care. And with our transitions program, they must have a prognosis of six to twelve months. Now, there are certainly agencies that an individual can call in, um, you know, home health, companion services, skilled nursing um, services that could come in to help an individual to prepare those meals, to do the cleaning. But at this time, based on insurance regulations, Tidewell cannot assist. Many to- many years ago, uh, one of the prognosis that they used was failure to thrive. And that basically, as you're saying, someone aging. Um, and as they age, you know, they lost a few more of their abilities. But right now, under our insurance regulations, no, we can't do that. Yes, one more question here. What happens if a person is- all right, excellent question. What she said was, what happens if a person lives longer than six months? Well, I assure you, I will stand right here and tell you we do not kick them out. What transpires is that if an individual, and we have we see this happen all the time, we bring someone into our plan of care, and we're administering the medications, we're using the complementary therapies, our volunteers are there for socialization, for support, and they, they do improve not improve enough to get off the hospice care, but we do find that they still need hospice, we recertify them. So they will go six months, then a three-month certification, and another three months, making sure that that hospice care is appropriate. Now, on the converse side, we oftentimes find that patients do progress so that they do not need to have hospice any longer, and we will discharge the patient, or as I like to say, the patient fires hospice, so that they are able to, um, you know, get back into their normal flow of life. But if they need to come back, if that disease come, comes back on, they can come in and out of hospice services as many times as they like. Yes, Peggy. Um, I first- Somebody is not in dying stage. Right, and Peggy said she's heard that um, hospice can be used to regulate medications uh, when they're not in an acute dying state. When an individual is not actively dying, you know, we don't accept expect the life expectancy to be um, shorter than a week. I mean, we can bring a patient, as she's saying, into the hospice house and regulate the medications a dear friend of mine had pancreatic cancer, and we brought her into the hospice house so that she was able to get the medications that she needed regulated. At that same time, we were teaching her son and her daughter how to administer those medications so that when she went home to be where she wanted to be with her grandchildren, to see, you know, her familiar surroundings, she was then able. To get the medications regulated. So, yes, thank you for bringing that up, the regulations of the medications. So, yes? Uh, one of the services that I would uh, take advantage of, uh, I don't think you mentioned that, is brief counseling after. Yes. After And, it's yeah. and I think, and you didn't have to be come through the hospice program in order to to take part in that. Yeah. So I just thought people should know that. Do you know that? And they are um, truly uh, excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much for sharing that. I appreciate that. Did everyone hear? All right. um I'm sorry she wasn't on the mic, but basically she was sharing that Tideville Hospice does provide free grief and bereavement services to anyone that's experienced a loss, and you do not need to have had a loved one under hospice care. We do bereavement services if you've lost a pet. We do bereavement services for women who have lost a child. There's a big gap in our community for that. Uh is stillborn, um, during a miscarriage, or immediately following the birth, we provide that. But I think the bulk of our care is for those individuals who've lost a loved one. We have groups um, that are there to support spouses, um, uh, parents who've lost adult children, parents who've lost minor children, those um, family members who watched a loved one commit suicide. We're there to provide that high level of care and, again, absolutely no cost. So thank you very much for bringing that up. Uh, And you know, the way we do this counseling is one-on-one as well as a group session. When I lost my husband, I went to the rector of my church and I said, I'm a basket case. What am I going to do? And he said, I want you to call Tidewell Hospice. And I did that. Um, I had to leave a a, a voicemail message on the answering machine of the woman who's in charge of grief support. Now, I've got to tell you, I needed to talk to somebody right then and there. We've changed that. Now, if you call the number for our grief support area, Monday through Friday, between the hours of eight and five, our real live grief specialist answers the phone. And it is incredible because sometimes somebody just needs a few moments of time that, to, to recognize the fact that, you know, you, you, what you're feeling is normal. So, I, I thank you. Yes, grief support. So, if you know anyone who's experienced a loss, don't hesitate to refer them. Again, it's 100% free, there's no obligations, it's just there. I know there was one question way in the back. We'll get this one, Mike. Do you have any help or any advice for people who wish to donate their bodies as cadavers for medical research? Um, that can certainly be done. Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers does the skeletal remains. I mean, you know, so you would be, you would, if that was your desire, it would be your skeleton. If you wanted to donate your body as a, as a cadaver for medical students, the University of Florida does that. And I know most of the funeral homes throughout the area have all of the information on that. So you can, you can approach them with that. Yes, thank you. When a team comes in and includes a physician, um, do you have to give up the physicians that you currently have treating you? All right. Just so you heard the entire question, when an individual does go on hospice care, um, do you have to give up your existing primary care physician? There is no requirement by Tidewell that you do give up your primary physician. Well we do, of course, we have to get a um, recommendation from an attending physician. It can be your existing, type, your existing physician or a Tidewell physician that hospice care is appropriate. As long as your existing physician wishes to stay involved, we will keep them involved to whatever extent they like. So if they're presently coming to the home and visiting with a the patient, they can continue to do that. We'll coordinate our medical care. So that there, you know, is that give and take and there is open information so that we're extending. Um, I don't believe so. I think that's the only thing that would become a, a bone of contention because the replication of services cannot be done just like if we're in a facility caring for a patient and working in coordination with her, with a patient. we cannot um, bill um, for two baths in one day, but you know that would be the problem. Now many physicians just want to continue getting an update which would have no charge involved. So there again, each physician may be different. Good questions. Yes, one more up here. It. It's a whole body donation thing. That's what I signed up for. My friend Harry, they came, they called, and they came and got his body four hours after he died. We don't know what they did with him. I they, you know, wherever they take it. Yeah. Um, but I signed up with this. I found it online. We send you a packet. You saw on the show. Yeah. Well, and that may be affiliated with the University of Florida, or it could be affiliated with, um, G- Florida Gulf Coast University. But, you know, good information, and you, maybe you can share that with others here. So, thank you. Well, yes. Just, well, you know, oh, I just wanted to say thank you. Oh. Uh. After a two year horrible brain and spinal disease, um, and you were great. I got him here on the airplane from New York and uh, it was wonderful Um, they didn't have any room in Venice or anywhere I had he was up in Bradenton Mm -hmm. so I had to drive 40 miles every day but he was only there six days and I just want to say thank you because I got there one day and I noticed his hair had been combed (laughs) these are things a wife would notice I guess but he he was unconscious but I thought that was such a nice gesture (laughs) Yeah, you know we do try to care for our patients, uh, you know, and make them as comfortable as possible to give them that dignity that they truly do deserve. So, just very, very important. Yeah. Well, if there are no other questions, I want to thank you very, very much for your time and for listening. And I do hope I told you that hospice is more than you think it is. So, thank you.